Hey, uh, so here's, here's what it's all about right here. You ready for this? This is where I'm standing, all right? I just received the football, right? We're going football terms today. I just received the football. I just received the ball. So what's that make me? I'm on the offense right now, all right? Pastor Doug, he's on defense, and uh, you know what we think about that. And so here it is. Let me talk to you for just a second about this. I believe this from the very, from the very beginning, whenever you accept God, whenever you work through that in your life and, and you begin to find this relationship with him, you find yourself in the offensive mode. But the problem is that quickly you find yourself playing defense. It wasn't supposed to be that way. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you're supposed to be constantly on the defense for everything that you do and, and every way that you talk and every time that you explain something. But so many times that's how we find ourselves is we find ourselves in defensive mode. And so here's what I want to talk about for just a little bit here. It's being on the offense, getting back in offense, getting ready to score, getting ready for what it is that God has planned for you. Because I love this scripture. This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is verse 24. You ready for this? Do you not know that in the football game, everyone is going to be playing football? There ain't nobody that's going to be doing something different. Everybody is playing football. That's scripture right here. It says it. And, uh, but only one of them gets the ring. All right? And, uh, and so after only one of them gets the ring, you need to play the game in a way as to get the prize, as to get the ring, as to get the trophy at the end. And that's what it's all about. It's about how you play the game. You know, they say that defense can win games, but without any points on the board, there is no game to win. And so whenever you think about that in life, what we do is we challenge, our, we challenge ourselves to this, is to step in out in faith to be on the offense. So what's that mean? That means you got to put some plays together. That means some things need to happen in your life to be able to put some plays together to be able to score that touchdown. Because if you don't, you're moving nowhere. How many times have you been, look, I'm going to, I'm going to like flat out admit before I even say this. How many of you guys are like coaches in the living room? Like, don't lie to me right now. Yeah, I know nobody's raising their hand right now, but you're lying because we're all coaches. We're sitting there screaming at the TV. Why did you run the ball again? It is fourth and 37, and you just ran the football. Did you really think you were going to trick them with that? Come on now. I loved like two years ago when Michigan had the dual quarterback thing happening, and they had one guy that could only run. He could barely even throw the ball. And then you had the other guy that could throw the ball but couldn't run. It was like, dude, you really think you're tricking anybody by doing this double quarterback thing? They know when they see this dude, he's going to run. And so you get to change your defense and get to defend that. But here's what it's all about, all right? It's about that, moving the ball down the field, moving your faith down the field, getting from point A to point B. And so many times we feel, like I said, we feel like we're stuck in defensive mode. And so that scripture says this, you need to fight for what it is that you believe. You need to fight for the faith. You need to fight so that you can get the prize at the end of the tunnel. Because so many times in our life, we just kind of back down from things. We get nervous. We get nervous about what somebody might think about it. We get nervous about what somebody might, might do. You know, we go to a restaurant and you're surrounded by people and, and you might say, hey, let's pray, but nah, let's not because there's people looking right now. Or you might find yourself in a place where, where you know that maybe in this situation, you just really need to tell your buddy about God. But then all of a sudden you turn around and it's like, eh, I don't know what they're going to think about that. So let's not talk about that. That's the defense in you. That's what's starting to stop you from getting that place from being able to do what you're called to do. God calls us to be in offensive mode, and that's exactly what that scripture is saying. It's all about getting from point A to point B and driving forward as fast and as hard as you possibly can. You know, a lot of times people think that you just need to drive the ball, drive the ball, drive the ball, but sometimes you need to be methodical with the way that you present things. And so your life is that way too. 
you know, so many times in your life you might find yourself in a spot where you feel like you're being defeated. But then that's when you got to get the playbook out and you got to say, okay, what is it in life that I can do to kind of alter things? What is it in life that I can do to kind of change some things up to make it better for what it is that I am called and I'm supposed to be doing right now? And so here's what I'm challenging us to, is to look at things in an offensive way. Quit getting yourself in a funk where everything is defensive because I've been there. I remember times in my walk where that's where it just seemed like every time that I was turning, I was just defending something. I wasn't even talking about the gospel anymore because all I was doing was defending actions and defending things. But that's not what it's about. It's about supporting it. It's about standing up, and it's about being on the offense for what it is that God has in your life. Offense is a great place to be, and you have a lot of fun working on offense. You're driving the ball Things are happy. Life is changing. But the reality is there's a defense. That's me. I'm the defensive team. I'm going to stop you from celebrating. I'm going to stop you from getting into the end zone. Why? Because that's my job. Who am I? I am the world. I am Satan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, it's not all roses because you have a defense. Scripture tells us that in John, 1 John 2, he says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If somebody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. What do you mean the love of the Father is not in them? If you love the world, if you love what the world is telling you, if you love that the world is telling you it's all right to have an affair on your wife. It's all right to have an abortion. If the world is telling you that and you buy into it, then you don't have the Heavenly Father within you, do you? No, because that is against what God is. Further, it goes on to say, if anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them, but here. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the pride, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world is defense. The world does not want you to succeed at all. The world wants you to fail. Why? The day you were born, you were born into a sinful world. When Adam and Eve fell, when they ate the apple, things changed. It wasn't a perfect world anymore. And it's never been since. So you're born and you're raised into a sinful world, a corrupt world, and you want to change. Satan's got you the moment you take your first breath. But now you want to change. He doesn't want you to change. He's had you for however many years you've been on this earth. He's had you, and now you don't want it anymore. You want to seek God's face, but he's against you. When we are told not to love the world, the Bible is referring to the world's corrupt system. You see, Satan is the world's God. Jesus Christ is our Savior from that world. Second Corinthians says this, The God of this age, now, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. That's a world who is the image of God. 
the road that we travel is tough. There are places in the world where Christians are being crucified just for their beliefs. There are places in the world that if you knock, somebody knocks on your door, you better, better be careful whether or not you answer it. Because it might be somebody that is out to get you because you're a Christian. Here, we don't have that problem. We can tell somebody, I'm a Christian. And they'll go, oh, okay. I am too. In other parts of the world, you tell somebody I'm a Christian, you aren't going to break a leg like you are on the field or break an arm. You might get killed. So it's not easy. But believe in this. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your life will change. And defense is out there, and they play dirty, and they play hard. I'm serious now. I got to tell you, the first half, I was not feeling the love at all. But I'm feeling the love now. I'm serious. I'll tell you why. Let me tell you why. I'm in the red zone. I'm playing offense. I'm in the red zone. But much has happened for me to get into the red zone. See, there are no more first downs. Now it's only touchdowns. And I'm ready. I got just yards to go, and I'm there. But a lot has transpired over the course of this game, especially this drive, because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Yeah, praise the Lord. But much was done to get there. People have started to change. What you noticed you went down the field, and he had certain players with you, certain blockers, linemen. But then those players started to change. They started leaving the field, and other players started to come in. And now I'm down to the red zone, and I look around. Almost every player on my team has changed. The guys that I started with, they aren't around anymore. I got new players, and they've come alongside of me, and they want to help me get into the red zone. They want to help me cross that line. But what happened prior to that, I accepted Romans 3, 23. It said, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the God. I, I accepted that. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And I lived a sinful nature. But the gift from God is eternal life. I've accepted that. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, my. He died for my sins. Romans 10 says that if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I believe that. I believe that. So I can be saved. And then Romans 5 says this, and this is a wonderful message. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, what does justified mean? Justified means we've been found innocent. We have found, been found innocent by God of all of our sins. We are born again. We are new to Jesus. 
We've been justified. Justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my. Things have changed. And the prayer that we pray every day goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Wow. Your life has changed. The players have changed. It was a tough road, but you did it. You received salvation from our Lord. And do I get an amen from my team? Oh! Much, much better second half. First half, they were eating hot dogs or something. I don't know. They weren't in the stadium. God bless. We love you. All right. So here we are, fourth quarter, buddy. I think I've got the edge going into it. I don't know. You got a pretty good applause there, but like first half, it was even... Yeah, it wasn't that Like good. I said, you're like the Tom Brady out here. Nobody really likes him anymore. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but here's the deal. You guys ready for this? Like, I love this about football, okay? I was reading an article the other day, and uh, the game was over. You know, Alabama goes in the national championship game, probably cheats, wins the game. And, uh, and uh, you know, um, I saw the copy. It was on Facebook of the check that they wrote to the referees. Um, so we know what actually took place that game, but it gets done, right? And so I'm reading this article, and it was very telling of who Nick Saban was. And uh, here, here's what it read. It said this, the national championship game ended. They flew back to Alabama, got back in. He called a coach's meeting. He didn't call a coach's meeting a week from then. He didn't call a coach's meeting a couple days from then. He said, coaches, I expect you to be here in my office by 8 a.m. 8 a.m. the next morning. They got home super late. They just won the national championship. And he goes, coaches, I need you in my office 8 a.m. He was all business. They came in there and they, they actually talked to one of their coaching staff and said, what, what happened that day in that meeting? And, and they were like, dude, you would have never known that Nick Saban just won a national championship game. Because when he came into that, into that room with all those coaches, he was ready for what was getting ready to happen next season. He didn't bring them in congratulatory donuts. He didn't bring them in extra coffee or anything like that. It wasn't like this excitement thing. He didn't make them a, a cake or anything like that. It was just as simple as this. Guys, we got a meeting. Let's meet. Let's talk. He's setting the ground for what's getting ready to take place. You see, the season ended there, and for us sitting in this room, that ends for us. Like, we're sad. We're like, college football's done. Tonight, football ends, and then you get some weird leagues that take place in between everything else that takes place, and who watches those? But, um, but the season ends, and we're like, oh, dude, football's over. But you know what's even better about football ending? Baseball starts, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And so uh, we're ready for that to take place. But, um, but really, the season just began again for them. And so here's what Alabama does. They get ready, and all of a sudden now they're getting ready to go recruiting. And that very week that they finished, they went out and started recruiting again. But what I love about that is how this is how it kind of works for them. They go out, they recruit, they get their guys, they think they're committed to Alabama, and then Ohio State comes in and they say, they talk to the same guys, and then they, they decommit from Alabama, come over to Ohio State because they know really what the holy ground looks like. And uh, as they come over to that, every once in a while you get a Michigan that comes in, but it's very easy to tell them no because it's as simple as this. Dude, you won two games. Like, seriously, who wants to be on a team like that? Ugh, gross. And so... <laughs> just being real here, all right? But that's what it's all about. The season ends, but here's what it is. I love today. I love today because let me tell you a little bit about recruiting. We're called to recruit. Scripture doesn't call it recruiting. It, call, it calls it like getting disciples, creating disciples, going out and discipling to everybody and, and winning people over for the kingdom. And that's incredible, but that's what these football coaches are doing. They're winning people over to their football program. And so here it is. Pastor Doug's talking about salvation, the time of change and, and a time of commitment in your life to, to make a change. And he switched over from the bad team to the good team. We should, probably should have switched sweatshirts on you, thrown you the gray sweatshirt so you looked a little better, but I like it. But here's where it's at, all right? Simple as this. That takes place, and all of a sudden, you're called to go out and start recruiting just as Alabama began, just as Ohio State started doing, just as all these football programs are now out recruiting, getting ready for the next season. I'm going to tell you a little story. A few months ago, our children's director, Tiffany, was out recruiting, and uh, she's, she's talking to everybody about this church she's involved in, and we're getting ready to launch, and she, she keeps harassing her, her buddy, Brittany, and uh, she's telling Brittany that she needs to come to church with her, and I believe there was quite a few excuses in there before she even showed up, and she finally showed up, and then she showed up again, and then I think we went to lunch after that, and... She got to meet who we really were, but then she showed up again after she met who we were, and she kept showing up. You see, recruiting took place, and then all of a sudden, because of that recruiting, because she said, look, I want to show you something. I want to show you something incredible. Brittany and her son are getting baptized today. That's what it's all about. And so, so the season began then, all right? She recruited. Season was already over. She's got, she's got Jesus in her life. Tiffany's got Jesus, and she's like, I've got to get out. I've got to recruit. I've got to do what I'm called to do. And she, she goes, and she calls, and she's persistent about it. And then we celebrate new life. And what it's all about today is that Brittany makes this commitment to say, I'm going to show everybody that I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. She gets baptized, and just as Jesus did, we're in overtime right now, buddy. What Just as Jesus did, he started his ministry after he was baptized. And I'm excited to see the people that Brittany brings into this place, the people that Brittany talks to, the recruiting that she does, because that's what we're called to do. That season never ends. You never get too old to keep recruiting. Look at it. Nick Saban is like 100, and he's still out recruiting. You get even worse guys out there, and they're still out. Tom Brady's 97 years old and still throwing a football. But it's like it happens. But it's what it's all about, taking that leap of faith, to keep, to keep recruiting, keep pushing, keep seeing what God has in store for us.